Well, it is a real treat to be with you this weekend. Welcome to The Road to Reality. During his earthly ministry, Jesus displayed an amazing heart of compassion. Whether it was to one hurting person or a multitude of needy people, he truly cared about the lost and those who are suffering. Today on The Road to Reality, we will be encouraged to share that same heart of compassion and concern. The needs are all around us. Here's Brother K.P. Yohannan in John chapter 6. Uh, we have right now colonies where thousands of precious people live contracted the leprosy. And there's no religion when they come there. One thing in common, and the, the times I went to some of those places, with all my theology and understanding and mission heart and everything, I tell you, uh, I, I think about times I ran to find somewhere I can throw up the, the stench and watching people, their nose completely gone, the ears gone, the fingers gone. And if the little children in these families are rescued before they are age nine, they can be saved before they got contract leprosy. And uh, we have you know, a couple of hundred missionaries actually work among these leper colonies. And tonight, in the movie, you will see some of the sisters actually cleaning the wounds of these lepers, leading and helping. And the most beautiful scene I have seen in my life, some of these places, we have worship services. And of course, normally what we tell them, you hold your hand like that, but they have nothing to hold. All the fingers are gone. Then the worship service time, normally we clap our hands like that. But you will find some of these people clapping their hands. Stump, that's all they got. And um, when they raise their hands, many of them, you don't see any fingers. And um, some of their eyelids, when you look at you can see tears running down. And when you talk to these people, they will say, I know. I'm going to have a whole brand new body that Jesus is going to give me. And we have a few cases here and there. The Lord healed them completely and restored them. Uh, but we have a hospital exclusively only for some 20,000 people who live in those colonies taking care of them. Um, touch them through our hands and crying with them with our eyes, embracing them and helping them know that they are made in the image of God and God loves them. And stories like the book of Acts is abundant. And you will find Jesus is not simply watching the pain and agony, but also he intervenes. That's what he does here. And the disciples now are watching all this. And they're learning this. And as you know, a time will come. He will tell them, now you go and do the same thing. And he sends them two by two. But then you walk on, you'll find in chapter 9, two blind men crying out, uh, Lord, have mercy on us and all that. And, and throughout these gospels, you'll find times when you know, they encountered demon possession and, and the brokenness and hurting people and all that. Now, look with me, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he, that is Jesus, saw the multitudes or crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then 
he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In chapter 10, now he tells them, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. I wish he said, I'm going to send you as wolves among sheep. That make it easier. But who writes this? That's what I wanted to now think about. Matthew. He was with Jesus. He saw, along with other disciples, exactly all these broken, suffering, hurting people and the agony of their lostness. But he will recall after three decades or so, saying, when he saw the multitude, why he could say, when we saw it? Why he could say, when I saw it? The image from the scripture, by the way, you don't agree for this. After 30 years or so later, Matthew trying to figure out the highlights of what happened through his life journey with Christ. He just couldn't shake off one incident. That one incident, something happened to Jesus that's so visible, so loud that he couldn't forget it. Was it Jesus physically collapsed by looking at this? Did he just weep and weep and said, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Oh, Father, whatever happened that when he was moved with compassion, was it something they couldn't see? They just imagined? No, I don't think so. So here is thing. Jesus never condemned Matthew and said, what a creep you are. What's wrong with you people? Don't you see what I see? Can you cry with me? Can you do something about it? No, he knew it would take time for them to make choices to enter into his suffering. May I ask you a question? You watch television for your news. You read newspapers. You listen to radio. This American Christianity is filled with peddling information about 30, 40, 80,000 people murdered yearly for following Christ, Sudan. You have no lack of information about Afghanistan, 19 million people in the country. Young girls cannot even go to school. If anybody attempts to do that, they will be killed. In a whole country, maybe less than 200 born-again believers, not one single church. But here is a question. Information like that, abundance you have. What does that do to you? I tell you what it does to many, maybe not you. You are a better person, I guess. Now you open your computer, your laptop, and you Google to find more information. What other stuff there about this country, this stupid people doing to Christians? Or did that cause you to say, 
I'm sick and tired of gluttony. I'm sick and tired of spending money on myself. I'm sick and tired of how self-centered and hard I am. I'm sick and tired of reading this thing and I cannot cry anymore. My heart is hard. My faith is stale. And you say, I have to do something about it. And then you tell your wife, please, you go to bed, I'll come later. And she says, where are you going? I'll be in the living room. What happened? Oh, I just want to spend a little time in prayer. Oh, okay. Good night, honey. The door closes, and you are in the living room. The lights are turned off, but you are not watching television. You are on your face, and you're crying out, God, break my heart. I know what you want from me. I know the Bible. I know the answers. I know the information. But I can't feel anything. Please, would you change my heart to become like you? And you feel nothing. But then you continue practice that. Now you have your Bible. The first journey the Lord may lead you through, a time of introspection. And he's looking not for activity from you, but holiness and purity. And he says, I came to die on the cross, not only to save you from sin and hell, but save you from yourself. But I can't do this unless you pick up the cross and the Lord give you understanding. I am my enemy, then you recognize. And you're more concerned about your body and your mind and your comfort than anything else. Then you read and find out statement like Paul who said, I buffet my body and bring it under subjection. And choosing to take a day or two or three to fast. And you look at the dreams that you're living with or the list you made or things to buy and the newer car or place to go and all this new stuff and whatever else you're doing and then you say, I can make a choice. I can live such a way. I embrace the inconveniences and the misunderstanding and the less of things and I make an exchange for the sake of touching those people, buying those children back from slavery, keeping them from going into prostitution, and seeing the gospel preached, and somehow I will walk as Jesus walked. And over a period of months, and maybe some years, somebody calls your wife and says, how is your husband? He's doing well. What do you mean? He's not the man I married. Oh, no, 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 don't misunderstand. I'm living with a saint. You mean he's dead? No. Next time, come by and be with us. 
Oh, by the way, you just can't believe our children, how their lives are gripped and how they walk with the Lord. Oh, about me, huh. I tell you what, I never knew I was so lost. My husband never preached and screamed and shouted, nothing. He just, an innocent lamb, walked with his master. Oh, by the way, we are going for two weeks to Mexico. And, oh, vacation? Oh, no, 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 no. We are going as a family to work in the slums. And we've been looking forward to live among the people and do what we can to help and tell them about Jesus. Oh, by the way, our oldest son, he has decided instead of going to university to become an engineer, he decided he's going to go to some Bible school and get his training and go and serve God. And the exciting discussion on the telephone no more continues. The other person on the television, something went wrong with these people. Maybe they became part of the cult. Well, for every story like that I tell you, there are hundreds of real stories like that that I know happened. So, how blessed we are, especially here. Well, that's Brother K.P. Yohannan here on The Road to Reality. We'll be right back with us with more in just a moment. You know, with Christmas rapidly approaching, perhaps you've been scurrying around looking for just the right gift for your loved ones. Well, today we'd like to ask you to consider giving a gift that has the power to really change a life forever. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, through GFA's Christmas Critter Campaign, families are being rescued from poverty, and they're experiencing the love of Christ. On our website, you'll find quite a number of gifts that you can actually give to a poor and needy family in Asia. Gifts like goats, lambs, blankets, toolkits, a Jesus well, and more. Take a look at the Christmas gift catalog at roadtoreality.org. That's roadtoreality.org. You can also call us at 866-946-2742. That's 866-946-2742. And if you're in Canada, go to roadtoreality.ca or call 888-946-2742. And let's get back into the message now, shall we? As KP recalls the road... God has had him on. We have a extended night prayer meeting first Friday of every month and, and sometimes it is changed to some other day. Anyway, the other day I was speaking to our people and I recall an incident in my life that I was so tempted to pray. Lord, I carry this burden for the lost people dying and going to hell that never heard the gospel. But now it turns into all day long I work with it and night I am dreaming and I'm weeping in my dream and my bed sheets are getting soaking wet and I wake up and realize I was dreaming about people dying and going to hell and all that. It's, it's like I can't deal with it anymore. And I said to my people, I thank God 
I never prayed that prayer. I do not know about you, but every time I go to the airport, these crazy people, Bill Laden did it. May I see your ID? And every time I look at this, it tells me when I was born. I don't like it. <laughs> Some of you hide your driver's license because you look 20 years younger than you are. At least, maybe you did something to your nose and your ears. But driver's license will not change. They keep the same date. This is what I want you to think. Add 100 years to your present age. And now think. Jesus lived as a pilgrim and strangers on this earth, didn't want to be the king and the ruler, and he asked his disciples to do the same, except John the Apostle, Saint John, all the rest were brutally murdered. And Thomas, the so-called doubting Thomas, one of the great apostles, came to India to my village in AD 52 possessed with a passion for people that he never saw to preach the gospel. And he planted seven churches and one of those churches happened to be in the village I was born and raised. And in that village, a young girl gave her life to Christ and she got married at the age of 19. And God gave her six sons and I happen to be the youngest of her six boys. Her greatest longing was that one of her sons to go as a missionary. But one by one, they went into farming and business, and she kind of began to lose hope. Her life was early morning, about three or four, or earlier she'll be up and spend no less than three or more hours in prayer. And she'll be sitting on that mat in the middle of the house, in that room, with the head covering. Never forget those images. And one of her prayer was one of her sons to serve God. And nothing was happening when I was born and growing up timid, skinny, withdrawn, she kind of lost her hope completely. And that's when she decided she will fast every Friday until the Lord answers her prayer. For three and a half years, this fragile little village woman, hardly four feet, three inches tall, never traveled outside her community or village or went to university, but she was so like Jesus. So when I finished my high school, having had this feeling to serve God, when I made that known, she couldn't help her emotions. She jumped up and said, go. She hated me, I thought. <laughs> but then in 1990, August 27th, 6 o'clock in the morning, at the age of 
84, she passed away. I was there. Funeral take place. My brothers, we all gathered. Our father passed away earlier. Talk about our mother. We all thought she must had a huge amount of money sitting in the bank somewhere because we never saw her spending any money. Her sons gave her anything she wanted. Fairly well-to-do boys. And often I was upset and angry with her when I would come home to see her wearing old clothes. And I fought with her a few times. And finally, when we opened the notebook that she left under her pillow, the bed she was sleeping on, there we saw the record of dozens and dozens of young people studying in Bible schools, missionaries, in places she'd never ever been to, but sending money to these people every month without telling any human being. And one of my brother reported, as far as you know, there is nothing she left in the bank or anywhere. Her last wish, when I'm dead and gone, the only thing I will leave behind, it is my wedding ring, my earrings, and the gold chain my husband gave me when he married me at the age of 19. I want you to sell these items and give this money to preach the gospel among people that never heard my Jesus name when I see him someday I will see them also please do that that's exactly what we did what are you living for what is this Christianity that you believe in what is the reason for all your studies and memorizing and all this stuff that is stuffed your head with? Is it to make you a moral, wonderful person, a great, wholesome family, good kids with best education, and die like a million people around you? Or is it transformation and change? And if that be the case, I believe some two billion people live in our world today so desperately want to hear the gospel whether you go or you stay whatever you are still the answer I am still the answer and he will do that through our lives if we let him well this has been the road to reality with KP Yohannan and we have been developing a passion to know Jesus and we're encouraged to share his love and care for others. Allow me to suggest one way that we can do just that. You know, many in our world have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas, but that doesn't have to be you. As we close, we'd like to encourage you to visit our website and look over some of the very special gifts that can really help a family break the cycle of poverty. And I should add, it also serves as a tangible expression of God's love to them. Consider giving gifts like farm animals or rickshaw, sewing machine or Bibles. And as you do, you'll be giving a gift that God can use to change a life forever. It's easy to do online at roadtoreality.org. That's roadtoreality.org. You can also call us toll free at 866 946 
866-946-2742. That's 866-946-2742. In Canada, the number is 888-946-2742. Or simply go to roadtoreality.ca on the web. I'll do it for this week, but do come back next time as K.P. Yohannan delivers another heart-searching message here on The Road to Reality.